Welcome to Future Sound Season 2, Episode 9, featuring a long-form interview with Desert Sand Films Warm at Night, conducted by Tom over at Donut Ends Towers. Desert Sand Films Warm at Night is performing at Future Sounds 4, IRL event, alongside Donut Ends, uh, Zero Ray, hope I'm saying that correctly, and Vanitas, Vanitas's debut actually, over at the Lunar Lounge in London on Saturday the 13th of September. We'll all be down there, so come and say hello, grab some artist merch. Okay, next episode will be a roundtable with most of the team, but we have so many exciting and exclusive guests coming up in future episodes. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss out. And now, on with the show. There's a sand, feels warm at night. Man, I think I think you're going to replace my wife. (laughs) (laughs) This is Future Sounds FM. (laughs) Nice for the for the American audience. Yeah, yeah. very cool. All right, let's let's get started properly. So um, I'm here with Desert Sand, uh, government name Will. I'm not gonna not gonna (laughs) name uh, more names than that. Although. uh, it is sort of loud and proud on your Discogs page, it's isn't very, it? <laughs> it's, it's very easy to find. Uh, yeah. Any Spotify credits, you can have a little dabble if you want yeah. to. Yeah, You're not going to find anything. Yeah, don't do anything weird. Let's not go sort of Facebook stalking <laughs> yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. Which has happened, by the way. Somebody did uh, DM me on Facebook once going, oh, I love your stuff. <laughs> and I thought, yeah. wow, that's a bit personal. That is actually a thing that happens. So I, I've seen artists kind of specifically um, request that people don't do that. Like the... If you're friends with like one or two people in the vapor scene, the, the Facebook algorithm thinks it's being terribly helpful by like saying, you know, you may know this person. Yes. <laughs> it's obviously clever in some ways, but it's sort of, um, you know, uh, uh, Mark Zuckerberg's got like no respect for the sort of the mystique of anonymous uh, no. <laughs> internet music artists. You know, he should really think about this more when he's sort of designing his algorithms. But yeah, like, um, you're, you're happy with, with Will being out there for, yes, for this. Yes, of course, of, of course. Wicked. So we got Will here with us, um, chatting about a bunch of things. Um, sort of five years of Desert Sand. That's right. Yes, this year, September first, um, was the five-year anniversary of Desert Sand. Um, what? What do you date that from? It is from the first uh, release, which is the Stardot Wav album, uh, which came out on the Haworth Collective, yeah. which was a label where I just have a bit of fun with my friends, yeah. releasing you know kind of side project stuff. Yeah, and under a bunch of different names, yeah, all, all of which it. was was you two, right? Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was me and a, me and a friend called Tom. Um, Good name. And uh, <laughs> without the H, <laughs> T O M. Uh, I, I used to be a Tom without an H, and then I, I put it back in. I think I listened uh, to too much Radiohead. Or something. <laughs> um, and and yeah, it just obviously at the time it was just a bit of fun. That's why kind of the early stuff is you know, not that high quality, I would say. Um, but as time went on, you know, I I really enjoyed doing stuff at Desert Sand, and then I pursued that kind of as my main musical career. And five years later, yeah. look, look where we are now. I mean, it's crazy that in your studio, <laughs> five five years is sort of it's kind of an eternity, but it's gone it's gone very quickly as yes, well. It We've has. had a, a bunch of guests celebrating five years recently. So I think my my pet flamingo are five years old. Oh wow! We congratulations. Had, uh, yeah, we had and uh, Pure Life Records as well, who we had on. <coughs> they were also celebrating a five-year anniversary, and um, 
yeah, Jay and I have been talking about with Donor Lens. I think we're, we're next year is our our five year, and we're we're thinking about nice things to do. For oh that. wow, so, okay, well, look yeah, at that. <laughs> watch this space. So yeah, um, happy fifth fifth birthday. Thank you very much. Yes. Welcome oh. to year one of oh. primary school. Yes, you know? I, that's right. I'm in reception now. Here we go. Very cool. No, oh. I think you've just started year one. It's, it's September. New academic. Oh, of course, year, yes, you know? yes, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. God, your um sort of Hogwarts letter will be coming in the post <laughs> in a year or two time. Yeah, yes. very cool um yeah so we're chatting five years of desert sand we've got a very exciting upcoming live show in london on september mm. 30th so this uh episode should be uploaded just in time for that um and if it isn't sorry but um <laughs> it will do but yeah show show in london with um some of our good friends and uh influences and it, it should be a really good time and ridiculously i think this is your uk debut it is yes funny how i've played in new york twice before yeah. this yeah but this and is five my years debut. of studio projects <laughs> five years of studio projects but here we are yes the, the uk debut um you know we've got zero vanitas um and donor lens of course yeah and then dj sets by enzo and patrick um so oh god you, you know the the full lineup yes i i know my vid yes yeah. i do i do and another another <laughs> so, will on the visuals and another will on the visuals yes um yeah so. shout, shout out that will as well so he does amazing stuff at, at all our future sounds shows um using crt screens and um mm, yeah, yeah just like beautiful analog visuals and stuff it makes a massive difference having these towers of, of old school tvs it just adds up to <laughs> vibes yes it is good so yes um september 30th uh it's in the lunar lounge yeah um in Leytonstone. in Leytonstone e11 i think because there is another lunar lounge because <laughs> i remember yeah, don't go there. That up. so don't go there make sure it's the e11 one yeah in Leytonstone and uh and yeah i hope to see so many of you there if you're if you're in the area if you want to yeah. trip to the uk Buy, buy tickets in advance because it's um it's a very small venue and um, there's no guarantee of getting in on the door if you don't, yes. haven't bought it in advance. It's gonna and it's gonna be a great night and um yeah, I'm hoping to bring some some merch as well potentially. So you mm -hmm. know um with with some tapes um that I know are hard to find and I will be selling them for a very decent price. So please uh, even even if that's a reason just to turn up, you know, um we'd love to see so many of you there. And you know, I love I love meeting people in the scene and I haven't really been able to kind of touch ground with people in in the UK. Yeah. Cuz it's more US been, network. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I've done all my US networking and met everyone there, but yeah, in my actual home soil, yeah, I haven't had anything. Yeah. So this this is really exciting. And yeah. I'm sure there'll be more in the future. Future. everything about our scene is backwards isn't it like we've we've had working relationships with people for years and then we're going to be meeting them for the first time at, at things like this show like yeah. like vanitas you know we've we've made music made artwork with on many many occasions and um yeah the, our first meeting sort of you know the best part of five years in it's crazy isn't yeah it? and, and we and you know, we, we were saying as well like how you know we're we're both you know based in uk and how, how have we never like worked together on anything before like you know we we should have been like kind of really close in terms of because we're both uk based um but you know better late than never i suppose um you know it's... it sounds like spoilers <laughs> Maybe. Well, no. well i'm just saying in terms of um in terms of everything you know yeah in yeah. this and don't uh, don't sand feels warm at night you heard it yes. first right well we're not promising anything but maybe we are Oh, you promised me. I'm trying to keep it mysterious, Neo. Now you said that. Ah, oh, um, man, I'm no good at mystery. You're, <laughs> you're, you're very good at, at, at mystery. Um, I mean, on, on the I? subject, yeah. Well, like, on the subject of mystery, um, there's. A, I know that you really like um, 
being asked about uh, the name Desert Sand Fields of Warm at Night. <laughs> oh, your favourite question, how did you get asked that? I'm actually not going to ask that because yes. the answer, as far as I can gather, is that you just thought of it and, and I, wrote yes. it down, right? Yes, I thought of it and I wrote it down. That's it. There's, there's, no, there's no fancy story of how I was lost in the desert and I was thirsty and, and then yeah. suddenly the sand was really warm and I was enlightened, blah, blah, blah. No, It's not warm anyway. It's cold at night. Oh, don't, don't even start. <laughs> That's the other thing you like. Anyway, it's anyway. I'm not. I'm, well, I kind of did ask that, but I'm not. I'm not officially going to ask about the origin of the name. But uh, one thing I do notice from your music and from what I've read uh, you say before is that like names are very important to you. Um, am I right in thinking that you you name your your tracks and your albums kind of in advance? Yes, I do. Them? Yes. So yeah, one I'm of, a big believer in that. Yeah, oh, that's cool. Yeah. So I think. Well, I kind of say why I do it is because. My albums are experiences. They mm-hmm. tell stories. And, and what I love to do is I love to, you know, kind of build this experience and kind of have, have a kind of template, I guess, with the track titles and things um, before I start making an album. But it kind of means that also I, I know the outcome based on, the, on what I'm trying to get for the story of the album. But also at yeah. the same time, it then means that once the album's out there, um, and the titles are in Japanese, so it's harder to translate, harder to understand, you know, especially mm-hmm. for the Western audience. It kind of means that I'm allowing people to kind of create their own stories from my albums yeah. in, that, in that kind of way. And I love uh, when I hear people's like personal experiences with my albums, yeah. how it affected them, how they think uh, like the, the artwork relates to it and that, and that kind of thing. Um, and it all stems from just the idea of, of creating the story beforehand. Um, it's, you know, because once, once you've got that kind of template, you can, yeah. you can do anything with it. And then it kind of translates to the audience as well that they can experience it any way they want it. Yeah. Um, and, and it's kind of an active experience on their part because yeah. you, especially when you use different scripts uh for the track titles and stuff like you you probably have a very clear idea of your artistic in- intentions but you're not forcing it on the audience like you're you're kind of That's encouraging right. a degree of research or like you can just like enjoy it as like pure aesthetics and yeah. just like just like a blank blank slate to project your own kind yeah. of um That's exactly um, it, yeah. experiences onto i really like that i think um like a lot of uh, sort of historically great music was made by quite auteurish people who are like, this is what I made and this is what it means. Yes. Um, <laughs> but that's quite sort of um, last century thinking. And um, as I've learned today, uh, you weren't alive last century. <laughs> no. no, I was born in 2001, which is, which is a shock to, to some people. Yeah, because yeah. Um, I, re- I, remember, I remember the first time on Twitter that I announced what it was my birthday. I think it's when I turned 19. Yeah. And I announced it. I said, oh, I'm 19 today. And all the comments were like, oh my (laughs) God, this guy is so young. And then it happened next year and it happened and it happens every year. Do you know Um, what? I feel um, when when we met and you told me how old you are now, I was kind of disappointed because I had it in in my head that you were still like like insanely young. (laughs) So yeah, sorry to disappoint you. Like you're old now. (laughs) We thought I was like 15 or something. (laughs) Well, that sounds a bit dodgy. You know what I mean? Like, um, I think like, um, yeah, when you hit your mid-twenties or something, it kind of levels out, doesn't it? Like Mm -hmm. the difference between mid-twenties and 30 or whatever. Like it's not, it doesn't feel like so much of a chasm anymore. But the difference from a 19-year-old to a 25-year-old, I'm sure you'll agree based on your kind of progression and your life changes and stuff. Like you're probably in a very different place now. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, Literally different place as well. You don't live in in Reading anymore. No, no. Oh my goodness me, Reading, yeah. No, um, but you know, it, it, the the five years of Desert Sand have been has been 
such a such a such a journey. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, there's, there's no other words to it. And, and you know, there's so much that I'm sure we'll go on to talk about. But you yeah. know, so much has changed, and and I think the age doesn't matter really mm-hmm. in terms of um, connecting with people in this scene, because you know, like I have I've had some really I've I have some great great friends in the scene who are all ages. You know. Yeah. Um, in their 30s and things you know and obviously Mindspring who I recently uh, collaborated with Angel she's she's in her 30s as well yeah she's kind of um, on the cusp of Gen X yeah. millennium right like it's it's That's like right. a three generation thing isn't it our, our movement I'm not sure how many boob actually do you know what so the only boomer who, who I can think of in the scene was um like uh, Rolling Stone magazine asked like one of the guys from the monkeys oh yes. yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. they're like, what, they were like what, what do you listen to and he was like oh, i found this really cool music on the internet called vaporwave <laughs> <laughs> it's like whoa like, like the most high profile yeah. like boomer vaporwave fan <laughs> so most most boomer acts are probably you know they're probably freaking livid that like people are plundering their yacht yeah. rock and their, <laughs> yes you know to yes make sample music i mean i saw actually uh talking of angel i think i've talked about this on air before but i saw um underneath an infinity infinity frequencies infinity frequencies like youtube page um there was uh the original composer of some of the like weather channel music being like what the fuck is this because it was obviously like a, a track that the infinity frequencies are just like sampled from original weather weather channel stuff slowed down put some reverb on and this guy was like you stolen my music, and like a- Angel went into bat for for the for Team Vaporwave, like t- trying to explain to this guy like how like what what kind of what had happened was like artistically valid and stuff. Yes, and this guy was like, I've I've worked for decades, like I've <laughs> I've done my shift on the you know as a as a, a yacht and what's it called like a cruise musician, <laughs> cruise ship musician, like <laughs> where's my money? <laughs> Yeah, shout yes. out, shout out, Angel. Like we've never worked with her directly musically, but she mastered uh, that Dona Lens record, Midnight Store, and that one, the Error Area. Um, so and yeah, she did. She did an amazing job. Should probably point out that you, that you were pointing to the albums on the wall because people can't see that you were doing that. That's um, right. I know you should be able to hear like the kind of binaural features, <laughs> yes. right? Like be, be, like waving no, yes, across so the stereo space. You've got the vinyls like above the uh, the sound panels on the wall. Which is yeah, pretty yeah. Cool. Oh my goodness, and it's just started absolutely pissing down now. So oh, it's a yeah. good time we started this. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the UK. Welcome to the UK. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, Angel Angel is Angel is fantastic, and working with her on this on this album, The Desert Memories, was so unbelievably fun. It was just so it was so cool to see her processes and to to receive her pre slushes and working with that. And um, you know, we've 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 done like very very little over the past kind of because because we started this collaboration in 2020. Oh wow. And um, and then we kind of said, yeah, let's do it, and we just didn't. But you know, it was it was nobody's fault, but it was just that we we were busy with our own mm-hmm. things. We didn't really have a specific vision at that point. We were just having a bit of fun. Um, and then this year comes, and Dennis says, you know, listen, I really want to get the ball rolling on this. I want to yeah. release this in September. This is Dennis from Geometry. Yes, Lullaby. Dennis from Geometry Lullaby. Sorry, yes, um, and. And then we were like, let's just do it. We both have time now. This was yeah. like a few months ago. We said, let's just get it done. Cool. And we did. And we finally yeah, got it done. So technically, you could say it was three years in the working, but that's kind of misleading given how much work we actually did over wow. those three years because it was mostly tiny, tiny little bits 
and then most of it was done in the past few months. That's like the slowest so. vaporwave record ever, right? <laughs> yeah, you got the record. Right. What's it called? Uh, Chinese Democracy, the Guns N' Roses album. Like, <laughs> like uh, three three years in vaporwave years is like 25 years 25. In, in like <laughs> normal record industry years. Yeah. It, yeah. it, was, it was funny because, yeah, when we actually got to uh, a few months ago when we said, right, let's get down to this, we had lost like files and things and we Eesh. were like, you know, we have to get these things together. And we got it all in a document and it was it was really nice and beautifully laid out then. And, and once we had that, it was just like, that was the ball that got it rolling. And it was like, oh, here we go. Yeah, we're getting it done. And then track by track, we got it done and we were thinking of the ideas and then we got zero to do the artwork. Yeah. Um, and everything came together and it was a bit of a rush towards the end but it worked out fine one thing that i'm really interested in uh with like kind of collabs and splits with electronic artists and i think people are interested even with like donor lens stuff where you know projects where there's two people like who who does what who did what in 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 the context of this record like how did it work yeah so basically um it's sample free first of all so me and angel both made pre-slushes yeah um and um so this was full speed Mm -hmm. and basically um any tracks where you can hear angels uh slush chain on i made the uh pre-slush and then she slushed it (laughs) and any tracks where you hear my chain on it this is the effects chain um you can hear uh, so she made the pre-slush and did the scene okay. and everything that's and then, a cool way to do I, it so if I if I pull up the album now I can tell you which ones are which I thought you are going to play some music off your phone no. it's going to sound really good <laughs> <laughs> on that like out of your phone into my microphone through the effects chain and then on sort of 192 kilobit <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> podcast right. mp3 well you know yeah. like phones are like have stereo speakers now so mm-hmm. i could position it so that one end was on one and the other was on. oh the yeah other. let me need to change the pickup <laughs> configuration on that mic as well don't we i've just realized i actually don't have a very good signal here so i might not be able to oh yeah we're that. in the forest I've, i'm i'm up on do you want to have a oh flicker? brilliant yeah yeah so uh so opening the book i did the pre-slush four and she slushed it um same with divine manuscript 8401 was the other way around so um, uh, she made the pre-slush and I slushed it. Uh, Cognizance was her slushing me pre-slush. Uh, Did you have like um, sort of feedback and notes on those like each other's original compositions? Did you say like, could you change this and that, that and the other? Or no, did you, we were very much, off? yeah, it was very much just like, just make something and, and I'll make it work kind of thing. Okay. Um, and Angel did struggle a little bit with actually making the pre-slushes because you know, she hadn't really kind of delved into the whole world of J-pop and C-pop, you know, like mm-hmm. I had. Yeah. Um, and she she kept thinking that what she making what she was making wasn't like good enough, but it like absolutely was, and yeah, it was yeah. fantastic. And her vocals were like really great. Yeah. But she kept thinking that yeah, she's it a wasn't. fantastic musician. <laughs> um, exactly. And and she and her pre-slushes were beautiful. I've got a, a lukewarm take, uh, which <gasps> is the. Um, oh my. God. No, okay, it's, it's really lukewarm because it's actually kind of blowing smoke up your ass. But um, <laughs> okay. um, I think that a lot of people who make the switch from making sample-based music to making sample-free music, um, a lot of those people who make that transition, their best their best work was, was the sampled stuff because it is very difficult to do sample-free music and make it sound one good and two even even more than it sounding good is like making it sound like something that that is could conceivably be an old-fashioned sample source and i think both you and angel are very good at doing that oh well thank you um, very much i think some because it's like uh you need like a, a history in making conventional music that's that's not yes. vaporwave or slush wave to do future sounds 
you kind of need to put the years in and I think both you and Angel like your years started when you were super young just kind of having a conventional musical education yes so yeah yeah no, that's my it, lukewarm take. no well no it's a very good take and the thing is I yeah it's it's really really cool to see so many people do um sample free stuff and to be honest even even if it is quite amateur or not very not quite hitting the mark mm. i say that's great because what you've what you've actually done is, is as a you know as a person you've gone out there and said i want to do yeah the sample free album and i'm just going to try and, and do something and e- even if just by trying it you get to learn what sounds right what works what doesn't work and of course it's a very very slow journey into mm-hmm. getting something that works you know yeah, well, forgive and forget, which was my first ever sample-free album. Um, I back then I used to call my sample-free albums. I used to call them experiments. Mm-hmm. If you look in the descriptions of all all of my early ones, it said this is my first experiment, my second experiment, yeah. etc. Um, and because at the time I thought this this wasn't sounding very good, you know, it could be better kind of thing. Yeah. But people often say that you know, forgive and forget is like their favorite. That's cool. <laughs> and I listen and I go, mm, yeah, but this is so like. I could I could have made these presages so much nicer, so much master them better, you know. Um, it's not how most was... people are listening to to other people's music, is it? It's how you listen to your own music with that kind of <laughs> yeah, uh, right. detail detail oriented approach. But like, absolutely, yes. You know, Especially most people are on a macro kind of thing, aren't they? They listen <laughs> yeah. to the bigger picture. That's it's... exactly right. Um, and you know, people enjoy my my modern uh, sample free stuff as much as that. Yeah. Anyway, so much so that forgive and forget was recently bolded on rate your music. <laughs> Which was um, a pretty pretty big deal, actually. <laughs> what does that mean? So um, I'm not 100 percent sure on the on the exact stats it has to be, but basically, a bolded album on Rate Your Music means one that's pretty significant. Mm-hmm. I think it's within a top band of albums. Some, somebody will know. Uh, I have no within idea. Within a specific genre? No, I think it's just on, on all on all things. Wow. Um, I, I I mean, basically, what people t- people talk about bolded albums. And they seem to be very revered albums. Wow. Um, and Forgive and Forget was recently bolded, so that was like, holy shit! You know, this is this That's is mad. Right. <laughs> um, and and again, I always look back at the album and think this is like this is the first of many, and it was kind of very, you know, very. Well, I wouldn't say poorly made, but there were many things that could have gone better. But I just think that, um, like you say about the kind of having that music knowledge, mm-hmm. I think the way it was written, because I've been classically trained for many years before that, I think the way it's written is like the boost that people enjoy because mm-hmm. the chord progressions are uh, quite nice, I think. I think that's why people like it. Yeah. Um, so even though the production quality was low, mm-hmm. the actual uh, composition was, was pretty okay. And nice. I think that is what... That's the difference between like somebody who's had lots of... Uh, classical training beforehand yeah. versus somebody who who's like you know it, they they may know how to produce very well but actually when you get down to the chords and the arrangement and the yeah. mixing you know yeah there's a lot to I it. think you can work you can work out that stuff your, yourself it's just it, it, you have to put in the time you do whether, yes. whether whether it's you know like formally with a teacher or just or working stuff out yourself but you you can't just like decide all of a sudden okay no more samples um I'm going to make uh like absolutely brilliant music and it happened straight away yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, that's it. And people people get really excited as well when they when they when they find that sample free slush is a thing, and and they, and they just want to get into it. And that's totally fine. You know, absolutely go ahead and do things because yeah. the more stuff you do, the better. But I would say the biggest piece of advice I give to people is don't worry if the output you keep putting out isn't like up to the standard of other people, mm-hmm. because like you said, it takes a lot of time to get there. Yeah, it sounds like you're happy to 
like quote unquote make your mistakes out in public I, mm. I, I don't think they are necessarily mistakes but like your artistic progression uh you haven't sort of uh, like manicured it or deleted things from the catalog and stuff as far no. as i know right it's just it's just all out there right yeah, and if, you, if you like it then great yes there, there's 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 one album in particular which um i shan't name because i don't want people to go looking for it but people will know what i'm talking about especially if you're in the such wave discord yeah there's one album of mine which which i've removed from my page and it isn't on the Hallworth collective either okay. and and that album is just one that i've made so quickly and it was so bad okay <laughs> that's the exception not the rule that's the exception it? yeah but all my others yeah if it's not on my main page um it'll be on the hallworth collective yeah so that's it yeah there's something on the hallworth collective page which is like a rare instance of like your image your 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 oh. person on a on a cover right yes, Rock, yes. rocking the guitar it looks like a <laughs> you know like something you'd find in like a in like a uh, market in Hong Kong, you know, like yeah. a, like a record fair or something, like yes. 1983 guitar yes, hits yes. <laughs> with Will. <laughs> Will yes, plays the my, hits. My 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 uh, my early 90s um, C pop pre slash yeah. album. Yeah, that that was a fun one. Yeah, that's just a bunch of like discarded ideas that I just mm-hmm. turn into little loops. Yeah, that's cool. I think that's how Bandcamp should be used. Really, you know, like um, yeah. uh, it's just like a. You know, it's just and, and you invite people into your world and stuff. And I think because you're so prolific, um, like certain records will kind of be boosted to, to prominence above and beyond others. So like, we, we were talking off air about things like Vapor Memory um, and yeah. even things like the Spotify algorithm as, as well, which kind of sniff out certain things which which have like an amount of traction behind yes. them, and then and then then certain things kind of rise rise to the top yeah that's right it's like the um like we were talking about yes yeah, so if you go on my spotify you'll see that the number one track is yesterday 2095 yeah. which is that very short track from my album tomorrow 2096 it's a very kind of um uh like uh, uh it's it's just a it's just there in the album it's kind of a joiner track uh because it also kind of ties in with the very last track which is an extended version of that um and you know it's very unassuming you know you wouldn't really think to go you, you know if you were thinking of that album you wouldn't say oh i'm going to listen to this track in that album yeah. um but for some reason that one track got picked up by the by the algorithm and in particular got picked up by the whole kind of liminal space algorithm yeah. that kind of haunting vibes gloom core i'm not sure what they call it uh there's a few things on yeah. there and my god that blew up it's yeah. got like 1.8 million streams that one track yeah and good gracious you know i'm, the, I'm the, like how, how you know the power of the algorithm is crazy and obviously that kind of world is a bit is a lot more hollow than like actual fans because it's yeah. it's mostly just people listening in playlists and you know i'm kind of okay with that because yeah. because that track even though it's annoying that when people first play my profile they'll listen to that which is yeah. like far from my strongest uh, it also means that I'm kind of glad that a track that I spent a long time working on hasn't blown up in that way where it's just being listened by a lot of kind of hollow fans. And what I mean by that is people who who just listen from playlists and don't yeah, really... Passive, passive listeners. Passive rather. listeners, yeah, who yeah. don't really look at the artist or, or care that much about the artist. There's something like aesthetic as fuck about that though. Like, <laughs> So, you know, because obviously your your work kind of is like broadly within uh, like the ambient music kind of... Um, definition like falls under that umbrella and like passive listeners you know dating all the way back to sort of eric Satie, who was like uh, deliberately writing music to be ignored um <laughs> and you know there's a there's like a rich history of incredible artists who wrote ignorable music and there's something there's something like artistically and aesthetically really interesting about um 
yeah, like anonymous music or, you know, um, so you would think about John Cage, think about Brian Eno, things like that. Just like this kind of what various, variously was described as like furniture music or wallpaper music. Like even Muzak is something that interests us as vaporwave artists. Yes. There's something really cool. I, I think it's just got me thinking you're saying like a, a, a slightly kind of unfancied or uncelebrated song of yours, like just kind of like picking up just like an insane number of plays there's there's something that's like really vaporwave and strange about that like the the ghost of the algorithm sort of being like yeah yeah doesn't matter what you think is your magnum opus like this random sort of interlude track this is the one that's the one that's burned up sign of the times and yeah funny you mentioned things like music i love smooth jazz Mm -hmm. especially in the 90s uh, scene and and every time I play that to my friends, they're just like, "Oh, this is like elevator music," and mm-hmm. I get, and I, I get really annoyed. That's in a, a compliment way. in our world, <laughs> but, but it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, in our world, it's like you know, I kind of, I kind of don't care because in a way, like they're kind of saying that this music is kind of relaxing to put on in the background and, and kind of. I oh, know it's very interesting, <laughs> but it's cool. It's cool. Very cool. Um, like uh oh i've run out of steam it was going so well (laughs) future sounds sounds. we had to take like a little uh refreshment break because we were sort of being chatty and we got dry mouth yeah 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 that's right I actually think you've got a fantastic broadcast voice. Really? Yeah, you got you, you speak the BBC English. You know what? I hear that so much from people like, yeah. oh, you should be a presenter one day, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Future Sounds FM. Yes, fantastic <laughs> voiceover artist. <laughs> Do you know what? If you if you didn't mind being a scab, you could make a fortune right now with a like a um, writer's strike, you know, oh, yeah. in the States. Just like random British guy. Like you could do all the trailers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. You would be a pariah, though. Yeah, you could do that, yeah. You'd probably need security. (laughs) Yeah, that that would be my other my other job, yeah, is doing that. Yeah. If anyone needs yeah, if anyone needs any 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 voiceovers, you know. Yeah, for sure. my wife works in advertising. (laughs) Oh well there we go, yeah. There's lots of avenues to take here, you know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I know you've got a fantastic speaking voice. And you've got a very um, you know, on the subject of sample free music, you've got a very nice singing voice as well. Oh well, thank you very much. Yes, because that's it's all like right. <laughs> um, it's it's a really unusual. So I mean, you've been using the the fr- the phrase pre slush quite yes. a lot, which I feel like you know, like when you're reading a, a, a some Shakespeare at school and you got like a little glossary in the in the margins where they kind of explain what certain <laughs> words mean. You know, yes, I like, should probably explain yeah. what a pre slush is. Yeah. Basically, a pre slush is so. Best way to explain it is, um, you know, when you do sampled work and you take that sample. That sample is the pre-slush. So for sample free okay, slush... Okay, writing a song, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's basically, uh, for me, a pre-slush is I literally... Because my process with sample free is I actually make like uh, a sample like it was a, a track at mm-hmm. full speed. And I don't slow anything down. I make the whole thing and then I export it. So it, Oh, sorry. So I export it and I, so it's just one one audio file exactly the same as if it was a sample from YouTube or whatever. Yeah. And then I slow it down from there and add the effects from there. So the pre-slush is like everything full speed like before i slush it um so and you know, the good way to see pre-slushes is if you join the slush wave social club shout out woo, uh, um <laughs> you can find there's a forum page in there called share your pre-slushes um and if you go to that forum page and scroll down scroll up you can see loads of people 
loads of slush artists sharing their pre-slushes, yeah. including all of the desert memories pre-slushes. If you're curious, that's really cool. You uh, you were telling me over lunch that like there there are one or two instances where you've kind of had like bonus bonus tracks, which are the kind of you know the, the tracks playing out at kind of regular speeds. Yes. Right? <clears throat> That's cool. I think yeah. that, that's kind of becoming a bit of a trend. Like I know on the X Waves album, uh, Peak Internet, that came out on MPF, like he's got two versions of the same track. Like the, in the main body of the album, it's like a slowed down kind of blissed out version, and then bonus track is is full speed, um, or oh, the or yes. the other way around. I can't remember, but yeah, that's that's a really nice way to do it, and it kind of harkens back to the sort of CD era with you know all your bonus tracks and stuff and having yes. diff- different versions of a tune like having b-sides yeah <laughs> very cool yeah b-sides b-sides uh suffer not not really having much of a moment right now because on spotify encourages like one track singles doesn't it that's right yes that's the kind of format but, um, of our times but yes we uh, that um i want to do more of this so basically um this is a future sounds exclusive exclusive uh, <laughs> <laughs> I could I could do the little eye, didn't you? Yeah. Future sounds exclusive. <laughs> um, Smooth FM. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Basically, um, me and uh, actually a work colleague, we made a track, um, and we and it was a whole it was a it's a whole five minute track in the style of kind of two thousands Japanese esque inspired. It's it's just a very kind of cool poppy electro piece. And uh, I'll, I'll actually play it to you after this. Cool. Um, but um, yes, my plan is to to slush that. Um, but I, I really want the original to be heard as well. So I think at some point um, I'm going to release that as a 12-inch uh, with, with some label. And the A side will be the slush version. And the B side will be uh, will be the, the pre-slush. And uh, potentially a remix from um, something else they've done. So... So that's something to to look out for in the future. But I'm really uh, that'll be a nice little single. Um, it will actually be the the second. Oh, that, I'm probably wrong about this, but the second well, the second single that'll be pressed on wax for me because the because the yeah. other one I did was with the indie. one on MPS. Was, uh, yes, it was the one with Indy, uh, which was ages ago now on a seven um, inch as well. It which was is a really seven unusual. Inch, yes, um, it's kind of not many seven inches in our scene really no no there isn't um and yeah it was a bit of an experiment but it, oh that was that was so fun and i was thinking at some point i want to do a 12 inch single nice. and this is the perfect opportunity and obviously with a 12 inch i can make that i can make that 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 a side up to 20 minutes you know so <laughs> you know um i've heard you talk about um the future sound of london before in um like yes. a previous podcast and they were like a really interesting group for like a bunch of reasons but not least because they managed to be like quite like a banging rave act as well as making some like quite iconic ambient music i'm thinking about stuff like life forms yes for, life like for forms, the ambient stuff and, uh, dead cities yeah the yeah the uh, future sound of london i i always tell the best way to describe it is i say so imagine the 90s and imagine imagine someone just messing around with every element of a synth mm-hmm. and that's that's what it's like it because you have like these kind of break beaty things these yep. super techno moments and then also these Bird really sounds. ambient moments yeah. and it's like my goodness this jungle is like, rainfall yeah yeah this is like everything every like alternative 90s scene in one album yeah they're <laughs> a fantastic very, group and they great. with links to the past as well because i think robert fripp from king crimson sort of ambient god himself he plays a bit of guitar on um on the Lifeforms records, some like cool guitar. Oh, sensor. that's cool. The yes. reason the reason I bring them up is um, you're talking about twelve inch singles. Like we've got um, like uh, me, me and Jay uh, from Donalens have got a, a theory that like your stuff would work really well um, with like you know like jungle jungle drums or you know like like dance beats. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah. along with these kind of textural 
sounds and stuff. Like I know, I know that your music actually often does have drums in it, doesn't it? Yes, it's, it does. It's, yes. it's not, uh, you know, like what you would trad- traditionally think of as ambient music, where it's where it's beatless. Like your music is normally metered yes. and has like a percussion element. But like, uh, if you were going to go down the the twelve inch single route, which is like a format um, associated with dance music, really, isn't it? It is, yeah, um, yeah. or at least now. Um, yeah, like um, having one side being beatless and one side being being beats could be pretty cool. Absolutely. You've got you've got a history in dance music, right? I've heard, I've heard you say <laughs> that pre pre Desert Sand, right? You you you, pre- you, you, made, you made dance pre music. Desert Sand, and this was when I was like seventeen and younger. Mm-hmm. So these, you know, I used to make like deep house a lot and these kind of trance projects, mm-hmm. and they were awful. I'm I'm not sharing these anywhere. They were oh, terrible. Uh, <laughs> I well, mean, selfishly, I hope you with start like, making that kind of stuff again with like Apple fantastic. Loops and those kind of things. It was, it was, it was really bad. But um, it, it, funny enough, that process got me into like understanding logic and understanding yeah. production, and then it kind of got me passionate about um, wanting to do. You know, the work I'm doing now is is audio engineering and that kind of world. Yeah. So in in a weird way, making these shitty trance and house beats has kind of led me into this into this world that I'm now working in. Yeah. And of course, the great byproduct of that is desert sand. <laughs> so, um, very cool. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting progression. How I was making these like totally opposite genres, <laughs> um, you know. Yeah, but there, I mean, you know, it's two sides of the electronic music coin, isn't it? The like um, music that's in, in, incredibly sort of relaxing and tri- transportative, if that's a word, um, and uh, you know, uh, music that's. So that's quite functional. Ambient music serves a function, which is to um, take you to a place or take you away from a place. Um, and dance music is functional as well because it makes you dance. Yeah, um, yeah. And actually, I think, you know, the uh, so much electronic, great electronic music kind of does a bit of both, right? Aphex Twin selected ambient works, ambient masterpiece, Aphex Twin, uh, when he's playing out at clubs, uh, does not play selected ambient works. He plays, I'm going to play freaking loud fast music on my modular and you know um there was actually like a viral piece doing the rounds where the spectator which is like a kind of right-wing rag uh in in the uk um they'd sent uh one of their young journos to, to review aphex twin at, at field day festival and um he was i think this guy really liked selected ambient works oh that was your phone oh it was my phone oh, i thought i thought aphex twin was performing um <laughs> But yeah, this guy was saying that like he he went to the Aphex Twin concert expecting like a nice kind of relaxing sound bath and kind of had like a sensory was <laughs> sensory overload was bludgeoned with some sort of violent hard style and gather. Um, yeah, shout out Aphex Twin, that's really Maybe cool. Maybe I should join people like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just release like the chillest album ever and then say oh, I'm I'm going to perform live soon mm-hmm. and then you go and it's just that album but with like the craziest like break core, you know. Well. <laughs> You know, we were saying again, saying this off air, but like um, both of both of us have, were performing in in the states recently, and we were sort of talking about the differences between U.S. audiences and U.K. audiences. And Americans are like uh, the Americans we've come across are one like quite anglophile; they're like so happy that like these Brit- yeah. British musicians have come over, and two like they're super enthusiastic. Yeah. So like you know, you, you, they might come along expecting like a nice relaxing desert sunset. You play them the 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 donk the gabba, they might they might think this is brilliant. <laughs> they probably would yeah, actually. They would I just would. be so hyped. To, yeah. No, that, it was it was lovely in New York. Everyone yeah. was so unbelievably nice, and um, 
And yeah, it was funny. I don't know if you got this vibe from them, but it, it always felt like when I said, oh, yeah, I came from the UK, they always, they always sound like the way they say, oh, you came, you came from the UK? And, you know, like it was the hardest journey we've ever done, you know? Or come from, from like a, somewhere that existed in the past. We've yeah. come from the 1970s. <laughs> um, uh, but, it, it, yeah, that, that weekend was, well, the whole week, actually, wasn't it? From, yeah. Um, although I didn't go to Econ, but I went to, obviously, the Slushy Fest and then the Tape Swap as well. Both were incredible events. I think that's kind of rad that you um, you went to the fringe events, but I feel like not not the the main festival. Yeah, well, the main the main reason was is because um, I I was actually staying with Days of Blue, who mm-hmm. is who shout is, out shout out Days of Blue, um, who is my he's basically my best friend, you know, my closest friend, and you know we only had these days together, and we thought you know we could go to Ecom, but at the same time we want to spend time with each other you know mm-hmm. just kind of exploring new york because he lives there in new york and kind of uh just 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 chilling with each other you know and obviously we wanted to rest between the two events uh because i think i think people i think everyone could agree that everyone who went to all four events were pretty, pretty yeah a lot dead. of people got ill so we had frank jab where we had a, cri- a clip from frank javsey um talking about his his econ weekender um which sounded hectic but um yeah he was saying that everybody seemed to get ill <laughs> following the tape swap and he managed to avoid it by um showing up late i think <laughs> yeah that's it yeah um so um, yeah am i right so you, you 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 were there last year as well but you, were you playing the were you playing the tape swap or were you playing the the actual no film? last year i was playing out of econ yeah i thought so which that that's nuts that's that and that was my first ever live event can you i mean reveal as much or as little as as you want to like of of the kind of behind the scenes of that but like who who contacted you and and what was the process of of, of getting that booking? It was literally George uh, who messaged me. I think he literally sent me a message going, um, "Oh, uh, fancy doing a, an ambient set mm-hmm. like for forty minutes?" And I said, "Oh yeah, sure. Like, what yeah, yeah. what is this a part of?" And he said, just casually, "Oh yeah, this is Econ Three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, my goodness me, that's nice. Um, and then yeah, and then we talk, and then I say, you know, oh, you know, I. I I, I you know I won't be able to come unless obviously the the flight is is paid for and, and all that kind of thing, mm-hmm. but everything worked out and yeah. you know they were able to fly me over which was amazing. Um, and I had the on the hundred percent electronica jet. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. On the on the first that's what I'm imagining on, on the, the PJ <laughs> on the first class British Airways. First flight. class? No, it wasn't first class. Oh, wow. It was, I, was, on, I think that's what people imagine, right? You know, like when, when, when people get very cross on social media about certain things and stuff, I think they imagine the, the label owners in our sort of tiny little scene yeah. sort of sitting on their piles of gold, like Scrooge McDuck or whatever he's called. You know? yeah, but they're really sitting on their pile of mailers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. A bed of cardboard. Yeah. We were talking about that Christ picture, wasn't he? Yeah. He's sort of drowning in Dan Mason mailers. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, not, it's not as glamorous... You know, no. behind behind the behind the the curtain, yeah, the no, it's curtain, not. yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of work, and, mm-hmm. and we were talking about because you were asking like why I don't do my own physicals, and it's just because it's the time and the money. Yeah. And from speaking to other people who've kind of started labels recently, it is a it's hard to yeah. to get to it's get a labor of going. love, isn't it? And the problem is like yeah, yeah, it is, and and a lot of it depends on other people like the distributors or the people who manufacture the violence and so much can go wrong in that process and it is very if you don't have backup um you know which i certainly don't, wouldn't have you know if i was to start this if you don't have that kind of backup cash then you're not gonna you won't be able to fill it because let's say you lose a whole order mm-hmm. you know shit happens but but you have to get that road going again um yeah 
there was actually the whole thing that was the whole thing recently with the with the angel vinyl on no problema wasn't there yeah they had that whole problem yeah i saw um and 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 that's that's one of the things that could happen you know and if you're starting out that could that could just end it there and then even before you started you know i'm always surprised by um like pleasantly surprised by people's patience by and large in this scene because i'm especially labels that that have pre-orders like um my pet flamingo um don't do pre-orders because for sort of various reasons but like one of them being that keeping people waiting for sort of months months and months on end having taken their cash is like you know it's yeah. it's not best business practice is it it's sort of um it can it can lead to complications but yeah people by and large are very patient you do get the odd person who sort of hits order and then they wonder why their record hasn't hit their doorstep yeah. five minutes later. But, but also, yeah, yeah, if you hit order on a pre-order, you mm-hmm. should have the expectation that there may be delays because obviously yeah. you've got to remember they haven't gone in hand. And I say most people are like that. Most people say, you know, oh, sorry, there's been a, there's been an extra month delay. We're hoping to get that. People go, okay, that's fine. You know, I ordered a pre-order. So, yeah. and and as long as, as a label, you don't guarantee a time. If you say kind of we're hoping to get it out, blah 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 then that's okay if you but um i can't remember which label it was but there was a label a couple years ago that said we're going to ship it on this day and they didn't tell anybody about the delays it went on for about three months and then people started getting like asking for refunds through like bank cabins it's the famous floral shop (laughs) yeah yes that's that's right yes so yeah yeah a big part um, of this is like people are almost paying for i know it sounds really silly but like people are paying for kind of this this um old format and this kind of old slower way of doing things right like this is this is not an amazon prime business model right this is this is cottage industry labor of love people working on you know pre-internet kind of analog mediums obviously it's there's a, there's an irony involved in that our scene is entirely dependent on the internet but like the the part of the kind of uh, magic and the the kind of rituals that we buy into is this kind of retro kind of pre-internet slow way of doing things and you putting your slow music on <laughs> yeah. this slow yeah, format slow ass music yeah Future right, i've got seeing as i'm being silly i've got some silly questions actually <laughs> oh, no. um i I'm, I'm just so we're talking about drown, drowning in mailers i'm just imagining like you with drowning in hard drives man like <laughs> what you must you must have some serious kind of archival system going on uh Lots of albums, well, lots of long albums. A one, a one, a two terabyte external mm-hmm. hard drive. That's it. <laughs> you got all your music on one hard yeah, drive. Yeah. Man, you need to back your shit up. I'm worried. <laughs> I'm really worried on your behalf. Uh, um, you know, well, I, I, I back things up on like Google Drive and that that's kind good. of thing. So all my albums and all the assets and things are are backed up on there. So that's that's fine. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know project you know making long songs you know that the, there's a lot to it and obviously mm-hmm. the files are massive but yeah. and you don't get rewarded any more for a long song than you do for a 30 second song on Spotify, <laughs> well, well, right? yeah so that's that's quite you have to it. be slightly mad, yes. mad to do it don't you uh yeah well that's funny so many so many of the reviews of, of dream desert mm-hmm. you you can clearly tell that it's people who have come from like new world disciples where the tracks are, you know kind of shortish yeah um, and this people, is a four hour this is the four hour record yeah. each track is is you know 20 20 to 40 yeah. minutes those two um, are my favorites and it's sort of <laughs> basic basic bitch opinion but um <laughs> they, those two are like for yes. the whole package the, and, the normie does it sound yeah, <laughs> no, i'm yeah, joking i'm me. joking um but you know they, well, they are the two most famous ones yeah. um and 
and yeah, people you can clearly see in reviews that people have come from these shorter albums and, and listened to Dream Desert, and they and they're like, yeah, this is really nice, but God, it's so long. Why four hours? You know, and it's it's like yeah, that's well, that's cool, the though. point of the album yeah. is that it's this journey um, that slowly evolves throughout the album. Um, but some people just don't want to listen to music for that long. People do you, um, people contact you saying that they like fall asleep listening to these all these the time, all yeah. the time. Yeah, I, I've, I the messages I mainly get um, are people DMing me either saying yeah I'm great to fall asleep to to study to, yeah. or surprisingly I get a lot saying that I sex playlist. <laughs> that would be a very slow session, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Passionate. Um, Sorry. <laughs> four hours in bed no yeah, yeah uh, that stings stings tantric <laughs> playlist you know he listens to his own music when he's shagging man, so. uh, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah what was the thing uh yeah the, what do um, people tell you yes that um the one i get quite a bit is that some people say oh your music has helped me through a very hard time or has mm-hmm. cured me of this or that and i think wow that's that's pretty that's pretty heartfelt you know the fact that they seem to they seem to kind of dedicate the recovery process of whatever they've been through. They they seem to say that my album is the reason mm-hmm. why they've been able to do that. And I think that's cool. like that that's some pretty deep like emotional yeah. like God, that, all that stuff level. makes makes it all worthwhile, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does. And I and I received that quite I see that quite a bit. I have had quite a few messages and right. quite a few emails. Um, do you listen to music when you're sleeping? No, I can't. I, I've, I, I, I need um, either. So normally I sleep with a fan on, so it's like a gentle. That's white a white noise, noise machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it basically right. Um, so uh, hey, check or, or out nothing. this pun. Uh, does desert sand sleep well at night? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> all my questions just like. <laughs> well, I've, got to, I've got to go now. I've got to look at the time. Yeah, on that note. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah um that's the thing right you say people people like dicking around with your name like trying to sort of um make I, use the acronym to say explicit yes, things. I used, you can make little stories from it as well i used to do enough. this i used to do this thing at, at halloween and christmas where I, I would say oh give me a name so before i can change it for this period oh yeah and there's some bitches terrible <laughs> they were so fucking bad yeah. one of them as well and days of blue is going to like this so hello days of blue because i know you're going to be listening to this um he he keeps he keeps pissing around with this one which is absolutely awful and it really annoys me but it's it was a halloween one where it says um human blood feels warm when freshly killed oh does it N- couldn't days of blue seems to know <laughs> oh, wow. hello abe i know you're listening Jeez, I'm scared. And they seem so nice. <laughs> it's always the nice ones, isn't it? Oh, it's it, 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 well, it wasn't him who made it. It was somebody else. But he keeps bringing it up every now and then. I'm like, why? It was, just, it was such a it was so bad. <laughs> I mean, um, like, uh, obviously, uh, if you sort of to draw a bell curve of like how long people's songs are, there's like a massive kind of huge concentration, huge spike around the... We just played... Footsie, Sorry, <laughs> Oh wow! It's I was just talking. It's, it's to, I was, warm in here now. It is. It? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tom's studio feels really warm right now. Um, like it's whatever. Like ninety nine percent of recorded music, recorded popular music, it probably is three minutes long. Like on the nose, yeah. right? Like there's, there's historical reasons for that. Like the kind of amount of music you could store on a seven inch. Like blah 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 blah. Three minutes is like a good length of time. Yeah. Um, the 
number of people making 30 30 minute long tracks is is kind of far fewer but like there's kind of a, a cool storied history of people who do make long form music yes. i mean you know most most people's kind of conception of of all classical music you know rightly or wrongly is that it's quite long and it's like the classical music world is a world that you know intimately well and it's a well it's a world that you your day job is is in in the classical that is right industry. yes is yes. there i mean can you can you talk like a a tiny bit without doxing yourself <laughs> yeah um kind of what what your sort of relationship with classical music is and yeah, and course. like what you do for a living yeah so um my yeah my relation to classical music kind of started when when i started learning piano um and i've been classically trained i've been playing piano for oh gosh 14 15 years now um so since i was about eight years old seven years old um and yeah, I, I, I've always kind of enjoyed classical music and obviously I've played a lot of classical music throughout the years. And um, yeah, the, the, this job opportunity came up during my placement year at university and it's actually where, I, it's where I'm working at now, um, which is basically where I do um, for, a, for, like a, for like a young uh, musician school, which is like, you know, kind of a, a secondary school, but for, for, for uh, young people who want to uh, be a musician, a classical musician, whether that be composing or performing, you know. Mm. Um, and I do uh, all the recordings for the pupils. Um, so, and that includes, you know, set, doing setting up the session, uh, editing that, editing videos, that kind of thing. And it's an amazing job because you get to see like these really, really young uh, people come out and play the most difficult, complex pieces to such a high standard. I don't even have to do many edits most of the time. <laughs> you know, it it it's, it is a very lucky job to have, yeah. uh, and, and it's the, one I really enjoy. It's like a prospect concert hall at what's yeah. essentially a, a school. Is that's it? basically that, that's it? That's yeah, basically yeah. it. But yes. a music specialist, and uh, it's opened me up to to loads of like good contacts within the classical scene. So like from from big classical labels and things like that and hopefully one day i can kind of jump on that train and say you know hi you know i'm, I'm looking for i'm looking for somewhere big to go and then <laughs> start editing for some like real like uh, cds and things yeah so that's yeah. really cool so i mean this i think most people like if they're if they're not really classical music listeners they have this idea that classical music is like all kind of long and slow but i think that's probably based on people's understanding of like they're imagining like orchestral kind of symphonic yeah. music but like within what gets called classical music there's there's stuff that's actually probably closer to what you're doing on stuff like these kind of long form ambient things so yes. I've, I've heard you talk on a previous podcast about um john cage's as slow as possible which is um uh, a john cage piece it's like a conceptual piece where um, you can interpret it. It's, well, some people have interpreted the instructions very, very literally. So it's a famous <laughs> yes. performance, right? And you've yes. you've actually witnessed a part of this performance, right? Have I? You said. Well, you said you went to the church. Did I? Yeah. Was that a lie? <laughs> Did I say I went to this church? You might have said you saw it online. I maybe. think I saw it online. Yes. If okay. I said I went to the church, um, that is a lie. Yeah, yeah no, I didn't go. Yeah. Um, no, but, yeah, but I, that's, this is this is like a, an organ performance at a church in sort of Germany. Yes, Austria, yes. So I, I've seen it online. Yeah. Um, where, where you can actually, um, yeah, you can um, see. Yeah, it's this, it's this organ piece. I, I can't. God, it's been a while since I've talked about this. Um, but I can't remember how it's exactly controlled. I think they might do it manually now. But yeah, yeah it's going for about six hundred years. Yeah, six hundred years, and and um, yeah, and every time there's a there's a there's a change, people like get together. Mm -hmm. It's like once and, every year or two, right? That something yes. happens. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, it's very interesting. So yeah, 
that's so that so that's that you know talk about long albums yeah that's a 600 year recording if, do you know if you're um, able to do that <laughs> the eric Satie piece called vexations do you know which one that is so that's, maybe if i heard it so the music itself isn't particularly famous but the instructions are so it's a piano piece called vexations and it says uh in french underneath it says um if you were to play this piece 840 times in a row uh you would need to sort of mentally prepare yourself well so words words to those effect right so obviously some people have taken that very literally that this piece is to be repeated 840 times <laughs> and there are sort of marathon kind of overnight performances of this piece where pianists uh will do shifts Oh, uh, you know, wow, some somebody yes. will do, you know, 50 odd repeats and then somebody else is going to have to sort of tap in like sort of tag team wrestling match and then hop on, <laughs> hop on the piano. Um, but yeah, for people who think classical music is kind of boring, there's kind of like a sort of um, litany of kind of maverick composers like people like like John Cage and Eric Satie yeah. and Karl-Heinz Stockhausen and Lamont Young and stuff who who do these kind of insanely like wacky out there things which are kind of as or more out there than than things that, that that we encounter as sort of fans of experimental alternative music so it's, it's yeah. you know it's not it's the the history of classical music is not kind of one of sort of stuffy boring no it's not honestly there's white so, men. there's so many you know there's, there's so many cool things you you can go out and find if you really look deep the problem is you've got to get through all of the like the quote-unquote normie stuff and the, and the famous composers who dominate the like classical scene in terms mm-hmm. of streaming and just and just knowledge, but once you get past this barrier, yeah, there's a world of really interesting things there. Yeah, and um, you know even to the point of like some of Beethoven's really late piano piano works, like the Opus 111. Just give that a listen, and you'll mm-hmm. be like, my God! Like for the time that was composed, yeah. this is he, at, at that point he just didn't care. He was like, oh, I'm just going to write this crazy thing. Yeah. And it, and it sounds like it could be, you know, it sounds like a kind of weirdly modern but also weirdly old yeah. piece at the same time. Mozart's late music as well. Like all these, something when people sort of knew they were dying. <laughs> yes. Very, very. That's right. When people, yeah, that's right. And a list as well. If you listen to lists really, really, like towards the end of his life, he wrote some really short piano pieces, kind of one, two minute. And they're just so dissonant. And this is like late 1800s. And you think, you know, gosh, like, <laughs> again it was just like oh i'm almost dead let me just write some weird things because i've written all the good stuff already <laughs> that's kind of what it feels like you know next next time we go to new york for our for our next gig you know it seems, yeah. seems to be how it works right gig, gig a year i love how you york. say the next time like yeah. there definitely like there definitely will be a next time <laughs> oh, yeah well the, it's this uh, last econ yeah sure <laughs> well i mean even if even if it is the last econ i think somebody will kind of fill yeah. the, the void because i think we've got so used to this kind of annual annual thing going on in in new york um but yeah there's a there's a place I really wanted to go to this time, but it, it was closed. But it's a place I've been to in the past, which is um, the composer Lamont Young has got a art, permanent art installation with his partner, Maria Zazila. Um, and it's called the Dream House, which is like a rad name as well. It sounds like a Vaporwave album, right? Yeah, yeah. Dream House. Or but, Vaporwave uh, label, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Dream House. That's good. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of things. Or Dream Suite. There's a Slushwave artist, right? And there's a, there's a, there's a, a radio show called that as well. Um, but yeah, Dream House is like... Um, kind of the last remnant of this kind of uh 70s 80s new york kind of loft um arty kind of loft culture and they you go up to the loft of this this building and there's um a pink room with like fat speakers in each corner and it, they're blasting these kind of organ tones and like as you move about the room or um like move your head around the the chord appears to 
change oh, pitch. Oh, that's cool. Um, that's cool. Yes. It's really cool. So you can kind of create your own that. performance by like manipulating your your own body through this space. Is is so hippy dippy. I'm I'm actually <laughs> like a that. very not particularly hippy dippy guy. Um, I'm I freaking love that place. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah, so yeah, cool. Yeah. But yeah, um, you know, like uh, just yeah, like the, just the interferences, like because you know that's exactly what it is. Yeah, because yeah. because obviously. It, because I did the course at uni, I learned a little, you know, quite a bit about acoustics and psychoacoustics, and it's a really interesting topic. Yeah. And when you learn about how, you know, how your ear reacts to sound and and everything, it it makes you realise that you know these things can be very easily like manipulated to yeah. create this kind of experience. Yeah, um, it's almost our bodies creating yeah, that music right. as well, right? And we can be easily fooled into thinking things are hap- uh, uh, you know, sounds are being created when they're actually not. That's what, so, what, that's any time, even if we're not consciously aware of that, that's what we're doing when we're in the door. Like we're creating three-dimensional space out of like two speakers, you know, pointed at our face or like strapped yeah. to our head, right? It's, it's all kind of illusory, isn't it? Yes. That's before you even get into multi-channel stuff or binaural yeah, or, or whatever. Audio. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really cool. But yeah, date, date at the dream house. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. that's a vapor wave. You know what? That sounds like a let's um, do a show there. A Vanitas album title as well. <laughs> yes. He's got all these modern art kind Dream of house and they've got to release it on Dream Shaw. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out Dream Shaw. Shout out Dream Shaw. Yeah, very cool. Um do you do you listen to much other long form music? Yeah, from time to time, yes. Actually recently I've been on a bit of a a bit of a kind of 80s, 90s kind of uh, more poppy phase. You know, I, I go through a lot of phases. Um, there was a time, I think it was about last year, um, where I was, yeah, I was listening to a lot of like, do you know Seller, the the ambient artist? No. C-E-L-E-R. Um, they, they release so much stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there's some really cool long stuff there. Um, I always like to double in William Basinski. Yeah. Who doesn't? Um so, so uh, yeah, that's the kind of ambient side. Um, and long-form things in other genres, that is a good question. Um, what about things like... Um, like A lot of post-rock, like Sigur yeah. Ross. Mm-hmm. I love I love that stuff. Um, and um, you Like drone, droney stuff, doomy stuff? Like... Yeah, sometimes, sometimes. Yeah. I, I, do, I do like quite melodic and quite changing okay. things. So drone sometimes doesn't appeal to me yeah. in that way. Um, but... Yeah, I, I, there's this, oh, there's so much I listen to. Like yeah. the, uh, some of it's long, some of it's short. Uh, but at the moment, most of it's kind of shorter stuff because I'm kind of going through this like, alternative '90s kind of phase. Um, cool. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> that's really cool. Um, I went to the Sun gig with my wife, and I was like having the best time ever. I looked over, and she was not enjoying. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's so rad, though. Like I felt like that was a yeah. bit like that cage thing in miniature because it's like they they the way their music works is they're just like holding a big old note, and then they'll look at each other and be like, "Here it comes, <laughs> next next note." And like anytime something happens, everyone's like, "Yeah." <laughs> it's very cool, but yeah, it'd be. Um, I, I think I'm 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 with you. I need I need some variety in my music. I couldn't only yes. only listen to that kind of thing. Um yeah. and yeah, like um I think um I'm glad that like one one good thing about sort of um uh kind of streaming culture, you know, there's plenty of bad things about streaming culture, but like it's kind of um uh democratized and leveled people's listening tastes. Like I think I grew up I think I'm almost exactly a decade older than you and it was it was kind of the dying days of like pick your lane you're like you're you're a rock guy or you're a you're a you're a, a rap yeah, okay, guy or yeah. a pop, pop guy or whatever and it's yeah. like i work in schools now and i ask kids what they're listening to 
They, they, it, the bad thing about streaming culture is they can't normally tell me. They're like, oh, I don't know, a bit of everything, or whatever. <laughs> and then, like, um, I'll get them to, like, pull up a playlist on their phone and it's just, like, a completely insane mix of things, you know, like meme songs, like things that have, have kind of been trending on TikTok, which sounds like it would be awful music, but, like, fantastic music trends on Twitter, on um, TikTok. Um, I'm thinking like there was a huge resurgence of of the raw bands. Like they 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 were kind of resurrected from kind yes. of eighties obscurity. I love yeah. They're and, a wicked and, group. And I used to listen to the raw band like before the, the before they blew up and yeah. um before they were cool. Yeah, but yeah. You're yeah. such a hipster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> before they were What up. was uh what how did you discover them? It's... Just um actually I do a lot of my kind of obscure discovery through good old discogs yeah um, because obviously they it's, it's, it's a massive database of obscure things and I normally just kind of search within a range of years and I just put yeah. in put in the style and I just click on albums that uh, intrigue me and I'm pretty sure I put in like 1982 to 1988 synth pop yeah search and uh, and the raw band came up they're really interesting because they were sort of DIY before people were, were doing yes. you know like they obviously it didn't have you know works workstation technology that we do as producers now but like that guy was kind of more or less making kind of one man bands electronic music using the studio yes. as an as an instrument like a long time before that was like a in any way a sensible thing it was to do. same same yeah. thing dude you know the system yes yes so the system i really really like and i was watching an interview with them guys and they were saying how diy they were they were literally just uh, the the keyboardist the it's guy like electro just, funky stuff yeah, yeah that's yeah, right yeah, yeah. and he just had like a little studio a little workspace i can't remember exactly the details yeah. but he was just saying that they would just kind of he would make the tunes and then the guy the singer would come along do some singing and then that was that was the record it's kind it of how house, so good. house music was kind of birthed as well you know it's sort of kind of people making disco on you know we don't have a drummer so we'll use a 909 <laughs> yeah. you know we don't we don't have a, a a session bass player to play like with a funky disco lick so we're going to use this weird little 303 <laughs> yeah. or whatever you know it's really cool and like absolute magic was kind of made out of those those limitations and those kind of tools yes that's right and 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 similarly new age stuff a, mm-hmm. a lot of that was kind of diy stuff because a lot of, a lot of those producers were just kind of you know it wasn't it wasn't really a massive scene so they kind of had to do it within their own studios and a really cool story about that is um i was once approached by a guy called clifford white who you probably don't know and he's a bit of a he's an obscure kind of 80s uh new age artist but yeah please, you know go look him up his music is so beautiful um but i'd actually i'd sampled him before oh yeah uh, on a project years ago and uh, and then he messages me saying oh do you want to be a part of the uk spiritual arts foundation <laughs> cool. and i'm like what the fuck? this is crazy does he know that you sampled him no he doesn't know yet um I, i've been kind of afraid to mention it just in case how it would react but um i've just i i i love i am um, you know we 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 uh emailed each other a few times and um, and I was really curious about how he made some of his albums that I listened to, and I said, "How did you make this album?" And then he sends me a picture of his like of his bedroom in the late '80s with all these synths everywhere, nice. chimes in the corner, the like oh, eight track so cool. recorder. Um, and actually, I'll get the photo. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was it was such a cool little email exchange. And I never thought in a million years that an artist who I who I listened to because of their music in like the 80s would would send me a message going do you want to be a part of my i like, love um, foundation pictures of producers sort of janky little studio setups from from the past you know i'm, I'm thinking about square pusher kind of s- s- surrounded by sort of like a messy pile of instruments and yeah stuff. 
maybe there, there was some some times earlier I could have brought this up, but I'm I'm kind of curious to know what your own kind of relationship with sampling is. Um, it's obviously like a bit of a minefield, kind of ethically and stuff, and we've all got yeah. complex relationships with it. Yes, but um, like, have you got any kind of particular thoughts on? Uh, the ethics of sampling like do you have some kind of p- core principles that you try to follow when you're you're sampling is sampling still a yeah. part of your workflow or are you fully sample free these yeah so, et cetera, et cetera. I, so a lot of people think i'm fully sample free now that is yeah. not the case no I, 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 uh, if you go on the whole earth collective you can actually find quite a few of my aliases where i still make sample mm-hmm. slush wave um the only reason i'm holding off doing a sampled um Desert Sand main alias release for now is just because I the next sampled album I want to make I really want to be something special I don't want it to be just another kind of um, usual one track per per slush mm-hmm. kind of thing yeah um, but um, to be honest I I think that um, so long as you're so long as you're using your passion and your your creativity to turn the sample into something that sounds like you. And if you're using it as a platform to be able to convey whatever emotions or tell whatever story you want to do, then I think that's totally fine. Because, you know, especially for beginner Sushwave producers, my goodness me, trying to make your own stuff, especially if you're totally new to everything, mm-hmm. is so difficult. And, you know, um, especially these, these newer guys, it's not really harming anybody by just taking this sample and kind of transforming it in their own way. It's a great way to, to learn things. It's a great way to learn, especially in Slush Wave, how your chain uh, affects the sample, how it works, what doesn't work, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so, and I think if you, like I say, if you make it your own, if you turn it into something that is you, not just like a slightly altered version of the original sample then I think it's totally fine. And that's what I was trying to do. Potentially even, potentially not with Early Desert Sand because that stuff is kind of just slowed down with with, with reverb. But, um, you know, uh, as I progressed through, I really wanted to kind of shape shape the sound into into a soundscape. Um, and that's what I, hopefully, uh, people will see I've achieved over time. How um, sort of uh, kind of tight are your edits? Like, do you, do you kind of... I get the impression you work with fairly long pieces of audio, or are you kind of moving to like a more well, sort of micro de- kind of sound? It depends. Um, uh, for, this is going to shock people, but the the opening bit of Dream, the, the first track of Dream Desert, are you mm-hmm. familiar with that one? And you know how the opening has these like chiming bells that yep. come in very, very, very slowly, and yep. then and then the track starts with the yep. beat. So that bit with the chiming bells, that is um, that goes on for what 10, 15, 10 minutes or so, I think. Uh, that's all made up of a three-second sample looped. Yeah, three yeah. seconds uh, looped over and over and over and over again, with 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 very very delicately changing and very um, very carefully controlled uh, parameters there. And like some that's quite an old-school sampling technique, isn't it? Yeah. Like grabbing a tiny chunk of of a record and then using that as as an instrument. I guess that's it. Yeah. That's basically it. Kind of um, and thing. whereas yes, yeah, some some of the other tracks on Dream Desert, for example, yeah, I, I sample lots a lot larger chunks. Mm-hmm. Really depends on the track. You, you said something um, that kind of got me thinking, which is that like uh, if you're working with samples, make it make it yours, make it sound like you. Um, when you there's something strange that happens with voices when you pitch them sort of down a certain point where they they kind of it all sounds like the same singer it all becomes the same person and i think <laughs> you're one of the reasons maybe maybe that doesn't happen automatically but like with your sample free stuff like you you become that singer right like you, you, it, yes it's kind of a neat little sort of tie-in for your whole discography that like even the stuff you're singing on your sample free stuff like it sounds 
you know, there's some some weird democratization process that happens where like you've got the same voice all of a sudden as like a female Chinese singer from <laughs> from the 80s. You know, something something very strange and uncanny uncanny happens with slowed down yes. audio, isn't it? There's there was a pre-slush on uh, my latest album um, to shed silent tears. Um, where I I purposefully sang in the style of like a kind of cutesy Japanese, you know, like I would sing. Like, Release the original audio. <laughs> <laughs> on the on, only fans. Like I say, if you go on the Sushwave Social Club on that share your pre oh, wow. forum post, it is there. But I basically that is brave of you. But I basically sing kind of like, oh, <laughs> breathy, <laughs> like that kind of thing. Wow. <laughs> and I kind of speak like this, you know. That's extraordinary. The things we do for our arts. Um, right? um, and um, most oh, of the man, time, if we were filming this, this would be the bit you clip for the for the little the TikTok YouTube. posts and stuff. Demented podcast. Show, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness! Wow. Um, I think yeah. you start singing in every podcast I've, I've, I've heard you do before. Have you know? I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness! Yeah, no, I was there was there was someone in the server who. Um, in 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 one of the desert memories uh, tracks, I I say like Anata like really strongly, mm-hmm. and, so, and someone said in the server that they just have the sudden urge to say that around family sometimes, and I find that that's, very, so that's cool. quite hilarious. <laughs> Somebody was asking, um, <coughs> I didn't write down their name, but they'll know who it is. Like um, you, um, like is is there a place where where people can find the lyrics to your tunes, or is it is it just a case of contacting you and you? You it's up to you whether you. Yeah, just just contact me. There, there's no one single place where I can, you where you can get things. They uh, they're all over the place. I've told people in servers. I've told people in Twitter replies. Yeah. You just, seem quite happy to. Share yeah, just DM info. me. Mo- um, most of the time it's slush and ease, so it doesn't actually really mean anything. It's more for it's more of a textural quality, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so. Oh, interesting. And you see, you mentioned. Cigarosa earlier. This yeah, kind of, exactly. So, so fake language is or like, like cocktail a part of the twins. Yeah. yeah, cocktail twins for sure. Yeah. It's the same. It's That's the same rad. thing. Yeah. So so like you know most of the time it's kind of like a like a pseudo Japanese type thing. And mm-hmm. actually sometimes for singing I kind of bring up the, the like hiragana chart with all the pronunciations and okay. just kind of wherever my eye looks I say it. Um, so. I've probably said some really rude things in Japanese. <laughs> Without just completely knowing it. nonsensical things. Yeah, some well. Japanese listeners are going, why, why did he just swear like that? You know? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think it'd be very, it'd be very coincidental if I actually said a, a phrase just that's from cool. saying the random but I mean, that's kind of what Also, the transients all kind of smear around with the pitching and the phasing and stuff as well. Like it's sort of, mm-hmm. it, it's just kind of vowel sounds, isn't it? That's it's right, yeah. It's, it's, just, it's, it's textural. It's very textual, yeah. It, um, and the ones with English lyrics, uh, they're less you know when I write lyrics you know they're they're more uh, pronounced and prominent in the in the slush version but even then like you know it is still a textual layer so yeah um, the lyrics um, I would say for my pre-slushes aren't like one of the biggest things because because vocals for me are just a tool Mm -hmm. to to kind of bring out uh, melodies and and, they sit quite low in your your mixes don't they yeah they do yeah that's right Right, back from another hydration break. Uh, yes, let's let's hit up some listener questions. Woo. So, who gets to go first? Well, um, we, well, yes, obviously, I've got to, I've got to shout out the Sushwave Social Club. Woo! <laughs> um, I was drinking, otherwise, I would have woo wooed as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. or maybe just yeah, yeah, you just don't care. Like <laughs> spit water out. It's <laughs> my mic. Um, 
No, yeah, big so, up. I'm a, I'm I'm one of the most recent members. Yes, yeah, go, it's, go. It's great fun in there. It seems like a really nice community. I do want to say discord.gg slash slush wave, but I believe that link doesn't work anymore because we're we're two boosts short of the level three server boosting, <laughs> so our custom <laughs> link is gone. Is that a real thing? That I sounds think so. that sounds like sort of made up tech talk in a, in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, uh, if you want to boost us, please do. Uh, anyway, Cole asks, um, what's the story behind my profile picture? Um, and what made, me, what, made, what made me decide to use it to represent myself online? And um, quite, quite like the, the name, this doesn't really have a very interesting backstory. It's just that I was kind of looking for an interesting way to... to you know, because I don't want to put my face as a profile picture or anything like that. And I just thought... Okay, let's find a kind of a statue or something that hasn't been regularly used, and um, and th- I came across this one. Uh, I don't really know much about it. I've tried to do some research into it, um, into where it, where, like if it's in a museum or who it's of, but um, I can't really find much about it. I believe it's a Venus. Please don't quote me on that. It probably isn't, um, but yeah, I just I just chose it because it looked cool. Uh, and, and 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 no one else used it as well, so it has kind of been related to me. VX asks, "What led you to do music, and uh, what made you cre- what made you create the sound for Warm at Night?" Well, I think we kind of we kind of touched on that earlier, really. That the, the what led me to create music was you know my journey through learning piano, yeah. and also does it sound for Warm at Night was just a product of me messing around with my friend Tom on the Hallworth Collective, really. What. Um... I've got a similar question that that could lead somewhere nice. So somebody on Twitter called Gone um, asks kind of uh, what else inspires you? Um, I I mean, other than because I've heard you talk a lot about how uh, discovering telepath was was sort of kind of a huge sort of starting point to this this journey. Like, can you can you talk about some some other kind of strong musical inspirations to this project uh, besides telepath? Yeah, uh, I would have to say C-pop is probably the other biggest Mm -hmm. inspiration. A lot of like late 80s, early 90s C-pop. Um, because I love that stuff. I listen to way too much of it. Um, What's how? What levels your kind of language understanding? Because because it, it's not zero, right? Like I, I you, you did. Yes. Yeah, so I, I do speak a, a very uh, rudimentary Chinese um, because I did it for my GCSEs. If you're not, that is. Um, C pop tended to be in Mandarin or Cantonese. Well, it's both. You see, because obviously a lot of C pop uh, that you can listen to on Spotify is is originated either in Taiwan or Hong Kong. Yeah. So if it's in Taiwan, it'd be in Taiwanese or if it was in Hong Kong, it would be Cantonese. Yeah. Um, but a lot of a lot of what a lot of C-pop artists did at that time is they would release two albums. One album would be in Cantonese, and the other one would be in Mandarin. So the Mandarin ones, uh, I try and listen to, you know, just to see if I can understand. I it love for when a bit artists, of fun. Yeah. Shakira does that, right? English and Spanish language. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's, that's really cool. Craftwork. So Craftwork used to do all, all kind of European language versions. That's right. That's yes, yes. Yeah. So there yeah. we go. So it's that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but. But yeah, that's that stuff just inspired so much of like the instrumentation for like my pre-slushes and and, and everything like that. So, um, yeah, um, and, and a lot of the styles that I've kind of used in my pre-slushes has has come from just listening to C-pop and, and kind of picking up the trends and that kind of thing. So I would say that's another big inspiration. Do you keep up with sort of contemporary um, like Asian pop music? No, because it just doesn't sound the same. <laughs> it just sounds. Yeah. It just sounds. Uh, there's a certain quality to, to early 90s kind of C-pop, mm-hmm. which is so, 
so unique. It's almost like New Jack Swing, how that was a thing for yeah. like five years and then it died Brief out. Window in time. Yeah. It's the same thing with C-pop. Is there was this really kind of unique sound for that period and then that then just died off. And I love that sound. It's kind of lots okay. of MIDI, lots of 808, lots of kind of synthy lines. And it's great. I love I love like that kind of MIDI stuff. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah, you're not the only person in, in that... In- this world is into that kind of thing it's sort of reclaiming kind of fun like pretty outre pretty sort of (laughs) yeah questionable sounds sometimes (laughs) yeah that's right yeah the joy of the preset full through my drum kit (laughs) rock and roll destroying the studio oh man the the, the chair (laughs) we talk about this on the podcast the whole time but yeah anyway at at Groove Horizons Enzo from MPF um, like kind of inadvertently stage dived through the merch table um but yeah uh not not intentionally kind of just fell through like um like del boy and um only fools and horses yeah, <laughs> yeah okay but yeah you just stage dived through my drums yeah, like sorry. kurt, kurt <laughs> cobain at reading festival you <laughs> yeah know? that's it no, the, the chair just went down on me a little bit so i kind of scooched back to to bring it up but yeah i, nice. I destroyed the studio josh from iverson did that as well Okay, uh, what else we have on the Discord? Um, <laughs> Celadon Dream Suite, who I met in New York, shout out, um, asks, what do your parents slash family think of Desert Sound Project and do they listen to your music? Yes, yeah, so uh, my parents didn't know for a very, very long time because I was anxious to tell them because I, I didn't know how they'd respond if they just think it was weird or if they think, you know, it was... Um, you know this thing oh you know what what are you doing <laughs> you know because it because it is such a different like music genre to what they've grown up with and known you know um but they 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 were so sweet they they they're like my biggest fans now That's cool. <laughs> I, you, I showed you that picture of my dad in in his in the dream desert uh hoodie so yeah and they, they i think they listen to a lot of my stuff That's i know cool. my dad loves tomorrow 2096 and new world disciples i think my mom, cool. my mom loves the alone album which was the one that was on Alice City. And she was into the KLF and things like that. Yes, my mom was into the KLF and Scooter. So if you know what that is, I that's think, right. I think well, that's... she went clubbing in the 90s and then that's the music that stayed with her. The, K- the White Room era KLF stuff is um, really like quite close to, to, to what you do now. I think I meant Chill Out era, not White Room. That's right, yeah. It's just like if you remove the the kind of hardcore element of it yeah all these like ambient pianos and, and yeah. things yeah you're, yeah it's kind of right there if you slow that down you probably get a good kind of upbeat slush album well funnily enough that that's kind of more or less what barber beats is isn't yeah. it it's, it's like that that era of electronic music um slowed reverbed edited yeah the, i feel like barber beats you know it's just like like i was talking earlier about the transformative quality of mm-hmm. the samples it, you know some some barber beats producers just like make it sound exactly like it was mm-hmm. and, they've and, got more of a punk attitude yeah exactly i don't think we're, we're, we're not the biggest punks i know there, you know and, it, and it's like you know it is a shame when that kind of thing blows up off the charts whereas there are some really really talented people who spend a lot of time on projects and, and they don't get that kind of it's got a very cool way. like visual aesthetic and like i know I, yes. we've 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 benefited you know our projects have benefited from from the the strength of kind of visual aesthetics and kind of yes. world building and stuff so it's like definitely not to be dismissed out of hand like packaging and presentation is super important yeah you, know, you, you probably should, should shout out some of the, the visual artists that, that you've kind of worked with we were yes. bigging them up off air but yes um, no they uh, probably weren't listening when we were just like making coffee in my kitchen no, well, yeah yeah <laughs> uh very nice kitchen as well i should add thank you um no um 
yeah, Big Up Zero, obviously, longtime friend and longtime visual collaborator with myself. You'll know him from uh, New World Disciples, uh, Dream Waterfall, and Messenger of Death. Yeah. Uh, I've also got a shout out a Hydra, who did the, the latest album, To Shed Silent Tears. Um, oh, who else has done artwork for me? Eksha has done artwork for me, the piano soliloquy. Um, Lunitas did the I Think Therefore I Am album. Yeah, very distinctive. Um, yes. Oh, and of course, Zero did the Desert Memories. How can yeah. I forget? Um, what? I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it on my bang hand because I really don't want to forget anybody here. Um, because the early stuff is be is presumably you, right? When like more kind of screen cappy, yeah, it's just screen cappy. Um, and you there, that's when it comes to putting things up on streaming. That's the kind of stuff that can be quite problematic, isn't it? It can yes. get rejected out of hand for for kind of uh, blurry photo quality and stuff. That's why right. you have to fight a bit of a battle to. <laughs> Yes. Also, shout out to the other zero. So the zero Z dot E dot R dot O, that zero who did the Drifting in the Sea of Clouds cover. Um, that's very confusing, isn't it? How there's two there's two zeros yeah, yeah. Um, who both make Vaporwave and uh, do, do renders. Yeah. <laughs> um, and one of them's South American, right? South, I, th- I believe one so, yes, I think so. Uh, right, yeah, I think that's everybody. If I have forgotten, and uh, I please forgive me, but cool. um, yes, I think that's everybody who I need to shout out. I've got uh, in terms of visual artists, but that's that is the Discord. Um, oh, wicked. questions done, fantastic. Discord.gg slash slash wave, maybe. Um, <laughs> if not, yeah, I, I got it, I, I got in there through um, Linktree. Um, there was just the, there was a hyperlink on, on the, the, the slash wave Ooh. social Twitter page. Yes, go to, yes, yeah, search up slash wave social club on Twitter. Yeah, that's the best way to get to yeah, it. Yeah, that was how I got in there because, yeah, there is a dead link, which is very vaporwave. You know? <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we need two more boosts, so please come in the server. You know, oh, cool. I, I'm in we'll there quite that. a bit, everyone's in there. Fantastic. All your favorite slash wave artists are in there. Yeah, bring your mums. <laughs> bring your nan yeah everybody um uh emily asked on twitter um what other media inspires you um and that kind of i wanted to sort of tag on to that like what what are you nostalgic for like what what from your childhood do you do you sort of reminisce about so yeah (sighs) media first yeah uh well the thing is i you know i grew up mostly in the the digital age of this Mm -hmm. kind of thing um yeah it's weird because i don't really know how to answer that because all my kind of listening particularly has just been through through like digital stuff mp3 players your ipod when i got my yeah when i got my first ipod touch way back in the day um that was cool nice because most vaporwavers lived through the kind of transition era where uh it was kind of this wild west of, of file sharing um it was quite anarchic and sort of pre-iPod MP3 players and and that kind of thing yes. and and the mini disc which was the sort of transitional kind of moment from physical to, to you know pure digital yeah um, but yeah I guess I mean maybe the best way you could answer this media question is is like telling us like what your kind of console of what what console did you grow up with if you had a console yes so the was. first console I got was well my dad got an Xbox 360 that was his first one <laughs> that's brand new in my <laughs> that came out like four years ago I right? know I know Everyone, everyone's gonna be like oh my goodness so I got that when I was about what six six seven something yeah. like that uh, and then I got a Wii yeah uh, and that was the big one with me growing up I used to play so much Mario Kart so much um what else did I play on there um oh Wii Sports obviously and then Wii Sports Resort all the all the I used to play Wii Music a lot maybe maybe that's what I've attributed to my success is that I played Wii Music when I was eight (laughs) I um 
I guess, you know, we were saying earlier that like age kind of flattens out and like the difference between mid mid 20s and early 30s is like it's no longer significant. But like it's a it's a chasm when you're comparing childhoods and stuff. And I was, I I have like almost no experience. I think I've I've probably held a Wii controller like once or twice in my life because <laughs> okay. like I think it came out when I was a sick former yes I wasn't playing games I was like shedding jazz drums and I was I was on Ableton Live version 4 it's, it's now version 11 you know I've got I've got project yes. files dating back to like 2006 oh my goodness you know, yeah um, wow we were, we were talking about that earlier like um access to, to really really old media and how that's yeah, yeah. actually like potentially like a wicked tool uh to explore in our in our current day art especially given that we're working in a in a music scene that kind of um, has an interest in nostalgia and uh, memory and kind of corrupted memory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's good. It's a very interesting question. Very cool. Um, so you're, you're not you're not particularly a gamer now. No, I'm no, I'm not. See, really this now. is uh, this is the answer, kids. You know, if you want to be a prolific producer, yeah. you're gonna have to put down put that down your controller. controller. Do your homework. Yeah. No, um, I, I I I watch a lot of movies actually. Cool. I'm quite big into movies. Do you now. sample? Movie dialogue, movie no, soundtracks I haven't and stuff. Yet, no. okay. Funnily enough, if I need dialogue, <laughs> if I need dialogue for a project, I cannot be asked to search for something. I just record it myself in a funny accent. Yeah, that's really cool. Do you know um, uh, Pizza Hotline does that? Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> on on his like pre, so he he made like a bunch of vaporwave albums, um, kind of released on on similar labels to you actually. So pre like making his kind of video gamey drum and bass stuff, he he was he released on like Seiko Mart and stuff like that. Um, oh cool yes um and there's a, a record of his uh where he him and his uh partner are like doing like funny skits and stuff <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh that's good so yeah there's there's one there's one track in tomorrow 2096 where there's a very oh no sorry um uh, in floor 122 where there's a very um so in floor 122, there's a there's a track where there's a very kind of emotional conversation at the beginning between what sounds like a guy and a girl, right? It's just me that's really <laughs> talking cool. to myself. <laughs> no, I think that's cool. I mean, like our, our there's um, parts of our, our music scene is it's sort of people are making very cinematic kind of soundtracks to imaginary movie type music, like the the whole like Pure Life um, records. Their their aesthetic is entirely concerned with that you know yes. sound, soundtrack based and i think it's really cool like um doing your own dialogue the start um data girl put out an ep where the first track is like a kind of it's like very detailed sound design and kind of dialogue and stuff and i think i think it's dialogue that, that that was kind of originally recorded so that's that's the kind of next stage isn't it it's like yeah. not just singing your own music it's sort of doing your own dialogue that's right that's exactly very it, yeah. cool yeah it's the next nice yeah the, trend. the steps to success in Soshwave. Right, I'm just going to ask two more questions and then we should knock it on on the head because this, this is long. I'll, I'll edit it down a little bit. But, um, um, so Alex from the Vaporwave News Network, um, who's also Alex from Pacific Plaza Records and makes music as Trucks Passing Trucks, so shout out Alex. Um, I think he's interested in um, your live performance, like what what exactly you're doing with your guitar up there. Like, oh, yeah. um, are you using the internal sounds? Are you are you using it as a MIDI controller? Are you, are you processing it with pedals? Blah 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 blah. Yeah, so uh, I'll take you basically through the whole process. Um, so um, it's all done through the guitar. The laptop is up there because it has my slash FX chain in Logic. 
So what's happening is that I so I choose a track that I want to perform. I find the original project files for it. Yeah. I find the pre-slush. I remove uh, certain elements from that pre-slush. So maybe my vocal line or a synth line. Yeah. I re-export it. Then I slow it down um, and add like the delay and stuff. But I don't add any of the effects chain. So um, so basically, I import it into my keytar because my keytar has a built-in... It's a Roland AX Edge, and it has a built-in, uh, like, MP... Well, not MP3, but uh, audio player that can put wav- you can put WAVs on. And so as I'm performing, uh, I can press play on the, on the keytar. Oh, that's rad. Play, it plays the track, and it goes through the slush chain, and, and, and then uh, from my laptop, there's the interface, which then goes out to the speakers. Um, but obviously, the keytar is a synth. It's not just a MIDI controller. It's a synth that has about 600 sounds. And so what I would do is then I would also uh, play uh, the sounds uh, from the keytar over the track. And of course, it all goes through the slush chain. So everything that I play is slushed. My vocal mic is plugged into the interface, which goes into the laptop. So that's yep. slushed as well. So basically, what I load into the keytar is the dry, slowed down sample with some elements removed, and then obviously what you hear is everything slushed, even with what I'm playing, that all slushed. That's mad. So the music's not coming from the laptop. No, it is not coming from the laptop. It's coming That's from. That's such the a mad way of doing it. <laughs> I know. It's so crazy. I was thinking like, how, how can I do this? And it works. It works so well, and I'm able to like just change tracks on the keytar whenever I want to. I don't have to put it down. Don't have to go to the laptop. Um, In theory, you could. Perform with no laptop at all and just like a, a some phaser pedals. And I stuff could, I could, yeah. yes, I could do that, and I might do that in the future because obviously you know the la- my laptops have been absolutely great. It's never yeah. been a problem. It's terrifying, but, but it is slightly terrifying. Then, yeah. Or if I or if I get like a notification halfway through, oh, yeah, you like doodle. Yeah, but uh, it's all right in vaporwave. Even though people <laughs> think it's part of the performance. Some Skype alert sounds. It reminds me of um, for people who watch Slushwave 2023 um, during Sora's set. Um, vapor memory uh, got his friend to plug in their phone to his computer and it made all the USB sounds during Saurus. <laughs> yeah, those are cool sounds. I've sampled those sounds. So in, do, 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 and yeah, I've sampled like... that exact sound. The Windows <laughs> Windows USB Connect sound is so cool. Um, but so far my laptop's been very well behaved and everything's worked. So I guess until, until that kind of starts nice. being unreliable, which it hasn't been yet, then I will probably... It's a, you know, it's a stock, bit of an stock plugs, or, or you got third party stuff in that chain? Yeah, I've got I've got mostly third party stuff. Yeah. <laughs> no, to- no more info no. than that. <laughs> that is a very patented process. It is very, you know, I've been very, I've been very secretive about the plugins I use because you know there is the potential that you could just kind of copy me if I told you what was what was there. I mean, you know, obviously, I do a lot of, I create a lot of the kind of sounds within myself, but still, I don't really go beyond the kind of surface level of most of these plugins you know like i'm not changing things that valhalla no i don't use valhalla i can safely say that i do not use valhalla mm-hmm. there you go but i Very think cool. people know i use fab filter so but... you're running that stuff live mm, yeah wow yeah yeah that's rad uh, and it works and you are you a, are you a flangey boy or a phasey boy Phasey boy, definitely. Um, but not even, not even. I'm more of a reverb boy, <laughs> nice. I would say. Uh, my, cool. The phaser in most of my tracks is very low most of the time. Yeah. Yeah, it can get a bit seasick, can't it? <laughs> yeah. So it's well, like with older Vaporwave stuff, like people um, go absolutely nuts on the sort of tape wobble yeah, kind of thing yeah. stuff. And you listen to an actual cassette, and it's, unless your player's really fucked up, like it's, yeah. it doesn't well, it's tend like, to be It's like the lo-fi scene, like... Mm-hmm. 
some some lo fi is really good, but some of it just you know you hear it and it's like yeah you know yeah like, oh sometimes God, like a super slow vibrato as well really wide really slow where it's sort of it's oscillating a semitone either way <laughs> yeah Jeez. and i'm just like that, churning no lo-fi is supposed to be like relaxing this is actually quite agitating yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. um let's finish on a, on a funny one um so uh fire prayer uh not fire tools shout out angels but fire <laughs> prayer do, yeah. um who is also an artist um asks uh are you a beyonce fan <laughs> um well um i would say a fan you know i i no yeah I'm, I'm gonna have to say no just because i've never really thought about it i mean yeah, i like some of her songs like single ladies and um and nice. the um oh my god what's Keep the one called with jay-z i think it's got my mind crazy enough yeah 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 that's it yeah yeah uh, you know, I love those kind of big hits, but yeah, yeah. beyond that, yeah, I, I don't even know really much about. You that. didn't, you, you wouldn't have grown up with Destiny's Child and stuff. No, I, no, that's right. Yes, that. that was beyond. That was beyond. But that whole kind of like Y two Y two K pop yes. aesthetic is having a big, big moment again ha- with a sort of hyper pop thing. Yeah, that's right. I have a lot of nostalgia for like 2011 kind of mainstream UK. You know, like LMFAO and yeah, I've heard you and, talk about and that. the Lady like, Gaga's kind of thing, and and uh, uh, I, I love that kind of mainstream period, even though it's like kind of slightly cheesy like house stuff i, I love it <laughs> it's this, great um i've got a project I, I keep on pointing at things in my room and forgetting that you've got quite bad eyesight. <laughs> um this this thing the uh, witch to lime wire this thing it says upload to me oh I, I, can like, yes, yeah. I can read that yes i can read that that's um <laughs> that's like oh because obviously most vaporwave is concerned with the 80s or whatever and i'm i'm quite into sort of vaporwaving the, the 2010s <laughs> yes no it's, um, it's so good yeah it's that's good. a fun aesthetic to play with because it, it was it, it was quite an ugly aesthetic and that 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 era is having a bit of its record a bit of a reckoning you know so it's this russell brand documentary that aired last night like that 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 kind of era is sort of people's behaviors kind of people are being called accountable for their behavior during that era because it was it was a pretty sort of naff ugly era but <laughs> yeah was, you were just yeah. a kid you're excused from it <laughs> yeah yeah I, I yeah i was shielded from anything yeah. nasty like that yeah. i never really experienced it. yes yeah. but yeah you you you're looking at it through a, through a childhood I innocent was, childhood yeah. lens and sort of this this kind of sheeny Lady Gaga pop LMFA <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's quite yeah. wholesome yeah. yeah Russell Brand stuff <laughs> wholesome, that's, uh, yeah. that's that's rad um, yeah let's 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 wrap that up but thank you so much for your time no it's been a pleasure I, I, I've loved it's great to do an interview in person yeah um, and it's been yeah it's so cool to be in the studio I'm excited for the our performance is only in a couple of weeks now until yes. the, the Luna, Luna Lounge show and yes. so excited to See you again, see Zero again, meet Vanitas for the first time. Yes. I'm yes. going to let you in on an exclusive, but yeah, Vanitas is cooking up some artwork for the, the upcoming Donor Lens album. Um, so uh, yeah, so um, you'll probably see and, and hear that very, very soon. But yeah, thank you for st- sticking with us till the bitter end. Yes. <laughs> through, through our shenanigans. Yeah, shenanigans central. Right, <laughs> peace out. Woo!